Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. Thanks for joining the Security Insecure community again. And thank you if you have liked the Security Insecure Instagram account, Security Insecure Podcast. This is where you will see all the old episodes and some nice little inspirational quotes to get you going through your days. If you've not done it yet, please do check it out. Now, last Saturday was World Mental Health Day. And it was amazing to see so many of you coming out in support of mental health, coming out and just checking on each other. Because at last, we are finally saying that it's okay to not be okay and actually to check in on someone. How was your day? I haven't heard from you for a while. What do you need from me? These are the questions we should be asking people all the time. So please, I encourage you. We had World Mental Health Day last week. It doesn't stop there. It's just the beginning. You need to keep those conversations going. And to keep those conversations, I'm delighted to say that this week's guest is one who has done a massive switch she bought out a book called The Switch. It's such a good read. I could not pull it down. You will know her from The Big Breakfast. You'll know her from Dancing with the Stars in Ireland. And you'll know her from Total Wipeout. I'm delighted to say joining me on the podcast this week, it's Amanda Byram. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Johnny. I'm so excited to be chatting to you. I love what you're doing. I love your podcast. You're just wonderful. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you, because your book, The Switch, I've not put down for two weeks since I received a copy, and I've literally spent two weeks... Now, put, I don't want you to picture the scene, but this is basically what happens. <laughs> is I'm reading your book in the bath, and so I lie down <laughs> in the bath, I've got a pen next to me, and I literally am scribbling all the way through your book, underlining everything because there is so really? much in your book that i'm like oh this is really interesting and then i'll put little anecdotes and i'll put little notes because you've got these little tips as well and suddenly i'll write little messages to myself of remember this picture that make sure you put that out again that is fantastic and honestly it's so it makes my heart soar to 
like sore as in sore high, not sore as in painful. But like it, it, that just makes me so happy because that's genuinely the, the the reaction and the effect that I really, really want this book to have because, you know, I made so many mistakes over such a long period of time and I learned from my mistakes and, you know, from education about my mistakes. And so the book basically, in a nutshell, is a distillation of all those mistakes that I made and how I how I corrected them. And to hear you say that, love that it's in the bath, by the way, just don't let it drop because paper and water doesn't work very well together. Um, you know, I, just to hear you say that you've taken things in and that you're noting things and that you're learning from things, that is, honestly, that's job done for me. So thank you for telling me that. Yeah, but it upsets me because you use the word mistake and going back to when you were 15 years old and your body image problems and the fact that you you know, you're married for the second time and you still see these as mistakes, not lessons you learned or experiences that you had to go through the bad to get to the good, that you still see it as a mistake, which is still a negative. I'm going to go straight in. You're using these negative connotations that you, in your book, (laughs) you do talk about, you know, changing the mindset between using positive words and negative words. So for example, uh, the analogy was, um, for example, um, I feel a bit lucky today. It's, I don't feel myself. I feel a bit, unique today and you change that yeah. mindset and yeah. you've just used the word mistake so I want you to go back Fun- to your book now and use yeah. these words well but honestly fundamentally they were mistakes because I I learned how to do the correct thing and then I would go back and redo the thing that was incorrect so I did that for three decades and and you know we can learn from mistakes mistakes isn't necessarily a very negative word a mistake is just not doing the correct thing when you're supposed to do it or when you learn it so you know our, what would have been negative was me saying I was such an idiot I can't believe I did that I'm such a fool. Why did I do that? I just, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be in this situation. That's the negative mindset. You know, a mistake is something that we trip up, we do something, we learn from it, and then we move on. And I think the key is to learn. As long as we can learn from these things that we do, that we hurt ourselves, that we put ourselves through turmoil, that we speak to ourselves so unkindly. You know, mistake for me isn't necessarily a negative word. It's just something that you do that you really need to sort of switch the mindset with the action and then you learn you move on you brush yourself off and you continue going from there i want to use another word as well as learn it's forgiveness because i don't think we forgive ourselves a lot and i'm reading jay shetty's uh think like a monk as well at the same time as your book and he speaks a lot about forgiveness and doing things for example such as voice recording yourself saying i forgive myself for x for doing x and i think that's also a big thing as well as learning Yeah, I agree. It's a trick that I actually um, tell women to do. I posted it on my social media a couple of weeks ago, and I've had so many messages about it. People say, I was in tears reading that post. So you get a photograph of your child self. So I have a photograph of myself at three years of age. And any time I feel like I've spoken unkindly to her over the years, I would pull that out and I'd look at her in the eye and then I would close my eyes and imagine that child because I was that child. You were the three-year-old you, the four-year-old you, the five-year-old you, the every year you. And I look at her and in my my vision, I hug her and I hug her as a little child, as me, 47-year-old me, hugging the three-year-old me. And saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the things that I did to you. I'm so sorry for the ugly things I did to your your mind, to your body. I'm so sorry. I've learned so much. And, And hug her 
and kiss her. And, and, and that really helps. And that forgiveness, you know, you, you're asking for forgiveness from yourself because actually, ultimately, that's all that matters in the end is you. It's your perception of yourself. It's how you treat yourself. It's how you treat your mind, your body, your soul. It's all so important. So, yes, absolutely forgiveness and asking for that forgiveness from yourself. And, and it's a really powerful tool. You know, I also talk about looking at yourself in the mirror uh, and, and saying amazing things to yourself and telling yourself how brilliant you are. You know, we've sort of got caught up in this circle of assuming that if we say something nice about ourselves, then we're arrogant, that we're egotistical. And actually, it's the complete opposite. If we don't think we're brilliant, how can we expect anyone else to think we're worthy or brilliant? You know, and it's the same thing with the compliment syndrome I talk about a lot in the book. Because, again, that's switching the narrative. You know, the very notion that someone would say to you, Johnny, I love your podcast. And for you to go, well, you know, you know, bye, or whatever it is, or I love your jacket. Yeah, just, you know, fiber from H&M, a bit of an old rag I threw on. And we do it so often without even thinking about it that ultimately these negative voices then become the louder voices. You know, and we start to think that maybe my podcast isn't so good or maybe my jacket is a piece of a rag or maybe I don't look so good today. Maybe I am aging. And I think the, one of the things that really empowered me when I learned how to take a compliment was just taking the compliment and then stopping speaking and then allowing the other person to go on. Because also what you do is when someone gives you a compliment and you reject it, you're telling them that they're a liar. You're saying that your opinion is, is completely incorrect. You don't know what you're talking about. And so then how are they ever going to give you a compliment again if they think after the 15th time they've given it to you, they're just going to reject it. Why should I bother giving them a compliment anymore? And then the compliments stop coming because you believe that they're untrue. They now believe they're untrue. And it's, it's not a good place to be in. And this all starts from within. It all starts from switching your language, your narrative, how, you, how we speak to ourselves. And I, I do talk about that a lot in the book. And also, it's worth pointing out, don't rush don't run that mile to get those compliments going i remember listening to davina mccall on uh fern cotton's uh happy place podcast and she said she looked in the mirror and she could never say i love you mm. but what she learned was to say i like you and she built up mm -hmm. i like you to i love you and that whole thing of changing that cynicism into gratitude changing those labels and the way we see ourselves is so important because until you love yourself how can you expect anyone else to love you for you Absolutely. And, you know, the book actually started out because I'm quite known for health and wellness and, and fitness. And, you know, I thought, well, I'll write a book about health and wellness and fitness. And I'll talk about maybe my hook is I'm in my 40s and, you know, I feel stronger than I ever did before in my 20s. So let's talk about, you know, how to look good in your 40s and beyond. And within about, oh, I would say, 24 hours of writing, I've very quickly realized that actually this book is not about that at all because that stuff is a byproduct of the mental health part. That stuff comes naturally. Once you're kind to yourself, once you eliminate your voices and your demons and all of those things that we all live with because the inner voice, the inner critic has become so loud over the years that the one that we were championed by when we were kids is basically drowned out. The one that has said to us for so, you know, since we were kids, you're brilliant, Johnny, you're amazing, you're wonderful, you're walking hurrah you're the fastest runner you're the best singer you're brilliant 
And, you know, they sort of start to disappear only because the inner voices that you want to hear instead start resounding much louder than those other positive voices. And so exactly, you know, it is important to take it slowly. I just say go for it personally. I say look in the mirror and say you're a fantastic, fabulous, foxy, fit, fortuitous female. You know, why not our male? I'll have to I'll have to come up with the iteration of the M's at some point. Is this for the paperback <laughs> um, version of the book to come out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, you drop that in the bath really quickly, so we can't have a paperback version, <laughs> can we? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, it's just, I think you're right. It's really important to take baby steps. We do talk about that in the book, is that baby steps are key because, you know, it's a journey. It's a really, really long and a powerful journey. But until you take that first step to accepting that you have that journey to go on, then, you know, we're just going to be running around in circles and self-sabotaging like I did for three decades, the same thing over and over again. And then it was until I educated myself about my, my mind and my body and the food that I was eating, that's sort of when it all already started to click in. And also, it's not just you. It's having a belief even, even a belief in you, a belief in a religion, a belief in something spiritual, a belief in the law of attraction or just the belief in society? Because you talk about being an unconscious consumer in your book, which, as you know, mm-hmm. I absolutely loved. And it's so mm-hmm. true because, basically, we'll take the analogy that you've said of a cinema, and you go into a cinema, and the byproduct is the popcorn and the Diet Coke, which you don't need, but it's there with the ticket, and it's like, okay, it's three quid, add it on, add it on. But that's the same to society, because it's the same with friendships. You think, okay, I've got a friend here, well, those four people will also be my friends because they're friends with that friend. Or I've gone to this restaurant and everyone else is going to that restaurant, so I'll go there because everyone else is, but they can afford it and I can't, but I've got to go because society dictates it. No one should dictate anything that you do. You've got to do it for yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And like you say, in absolutely every aspect of your life, everything has to come from a choice, and we make those choices. And, you know, through choices, we, we make actions, and that creates our reality. So we have the choice to make every single time we, we have an action that we do. And we can choose one path or we can choose the other path. You know, path you, I talk about the blue pill and the red pill in um, um, The Matrix. You know, you have that choice to take the blue pill or the red pill. Which path will you take? And and it's very important that, you know, you say that, actually, because because the first choice has to be to help ourselves. And the second choice has to be, am I doing this the way I want to do it? Am I going to live with integrity or am I going to do it because everybody else around me is doing it? And it always has to be with integrity. You always have to make every choice with what do I really, really want? And look, if if what you really want is to follow everyone else and to do what everyone else is doing, then that's absolutely fine too because look, there is no one size fits all for anything. I know you and I have been talking about you're not particularly fond of the idea of blue light emissions in bed. And you're like, no, I want to read in bed. Um, and, and that is absolutely fine. If you're not affected by it, you know, science and studies do, do say that, you know, blue light affects your melatonin levels and, you know, the circadian rhythm. So you have a, a worse sleep and that affects your day. 
However, if that doesn't affect you like that, we're all different. And so, you know, they are choices that we all have to make individually. And and one of the things I also talk about is, you know, it's a self-help book. So the clue is in the title. You have to help yourself before any of the work can be done. You know, I will be there because I'm there to pour my heart out and tell you how I've done it and how I've learned from those things that I've done incorrectly. At the end of the day, you have to take that first step. And and I suspect that a lot of people buy self-help books expecting the author to do the heavy lifting. And perhaps that's why they sort of keep going around in circles. I was that soldier. I was the person who bought a million self-help books, you know, learned a lot from a lot of them, interestingly, really wonderful books. And yet still making these same mistakes, it was because I wasn't doing the work. I, w- I was reading them. I was doing it for a minute. And then I was, you know, going along the same path again. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it comes from within and it, it's choices that we make that are most important. Well, this week marks 10 years of Instagram and you talk about the school of social media. So whilst we're talking about ourselves, I think it's probably worth bringing in social media this early into the conversation because social <laughs> yeah. media plays a massive part in our identity and what we said thus far about the way we talk about ourselves, the way we accept compliments we feed off those compliments like there is no tomorrow. That like that you get when your phone buzzes, that you've Mm. got a like or a follow, it's like Christmas every day. And you want more, and then it stops. And then it's like the world has come to an end. Absolutely. And, you know, again, studies have been done. You know, They've spent millions, if not billions, on creating social media and creating the colors and creating the noises and creating the love heart and the thumbs up you know there's a lot of money been spent in silicon valley just understanding the psychology of your mind and how we just want that reinforced positivity like 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 no one's like oh now i'm down and i'm anxious and it literally is an addiction. It, 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 it hits the same part of your brain that cocaine does. So it is an actual addiction. And, you know, this is, this is uh, it's destructive. It's destroying the mental health of so many young and middle-aged and older people, whoever's on Instagram or social media. You know, it's a very, very dangerous place if you don't navigate it properly. If you let it take over your life, it literally will do that. It will take over your life. If you think about You know, you wake up in the morning, most of us, the first thing we look at is social media. So you're scrolling, 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 sometimes numbingly, sometimes mindlessly. And then something's annoyed you and you just don't know what that is. And you're kind of going through the first hour of your morning and you go to work and thinking, oh, something's annoying me. And very often we don't realize, but it is probably something you've seen on social media, albeit someone who's you know, hugging a guy and you're not, or someone sort of dating someone you fancied, or someone's at a party, why wasn't I invited to that? Or someone who you follow just because everyone else follows and actually they kind of annoy you and just something they posted has made you feel, ugh. There's so many reasons. Now there's the flip side to that is there's a lot of positive things on there and a lot of positive influences. But you have to navigate it very, very carefully. And social media is a very, very destructive place if you don't navigate it well. Um, And I think it's really important to be aware of that. You know, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And we sign up for this. You know, I talk about the school of social media in the book, which is a place that you know, it's it's a toxic environment. Bullying is acceptable. We're the ones who signed up for the school in the first place. And yet we go back every single day and we, 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 we tell everyone what we had for dinner or we tell everyone what, you know, what we're wearing. And, and 
there are definitely going to be bullies in that school and they're not going to want to like you and, and they're going to want to say mean things to you. And, you know, I've been the subject of, of trolls. Of course I have. You know, I'm in the public eye. That's just how it is. And it's a horrible feeling at the age of 47, let alone at the age of 13 or 14 or 15. I cannot imagine the pain and the scrutiny that you must feel as a very susceptible and, you know, moldable teenager. So it's something that we have to be very, we have to talk about it more and we have to be very, very careful about what we allow our children to watch and see and do and react. And I think it has to be taught in schools. We have, there should be a social media class in schools and to explain, you know, what it is, what it's doing and, and the, the, the money that people are making from social media. You know, Silicon Valley and, and Google and all of these sort of Facebook, the rest of them, they're, they're, you know, they've, got, they've got mansions in the Hamptons, you know. <laughs> so we're sort of feeding into this this consumerism, this, this lie that we've been sold, that this is the best place to be. Well, really, what we've done is we've given them all our data. We're telling them what we like. We're telling them what we don't like. And, you know, we sort of think we're dancing in this wonderful dance, this game of life, whereas actually it's very destructive. So... Like I say, whilst it's actually fun and it can be a great place to be for positive inspiration, you know, I'm on there. I'm on there for work stuff. I'm on there for personal stuff. This stuff I really like to share, this stuff I kind of keep back. At the same time, you know, I have to be mindful. I do not look at social media from about five o'clock onwards in the evening. Sometimes I'll do a post, but I'll, I'll go and I'll... I'll uh, time it so that it goes out at a certain time, which you can do from your desktop. Um, you know, other times if I'm out in the evening, which is very rare these days, I'll take my phone with me and I'll do a post and I'll put it away. I don't want to see the likes. I don't want to know how many there are, you know, because that's just unhealthy. Um, Twitter is something I've actually come off a lot recently. I'm very rarely on there. I just find that, that it can potentially be quite a toxic environment. Um, and, you know, look, I'm, I'm in my 40s and I still feel that toxicity and that negativity and, and that pain and that emotional turmoil when, when people say mean things. So we just have to be really, really careful. And on the social media aspect, on the, uh, the social dynamic on Netflix, there was a big thing about how they are so clever that they want to keep your attention on these apps for more. So, for example, the introduction of the three dots are on Instagram mm -hmm. or on Facebook or WhatsApp. You can see when someone's typing. And so you're staying on that app longer because you're waiting for that message to feed off that next message. And you're right. All these things are horrific because it makes you so insecure about what someone going to say. Why have they deleted their message? Why have they done this? Why have they done cool. that? And I'm yeah. so guilty. And people who are listening to this who actually personally know me know I do delete a lot of messages because I'll say something and then I'll take it back because I've said it in the heat of the moment. Mm. And mm. it's dangerous like that because then you're not you're still not even being honest with the way you feel because you're now trying to play people off each other. And obviously, as we know, when things are written down, it's very different to the way that you actually say them out loud. Oh, absolutely. And and very often when it's written down, it's sort of there in perpetuity. You know, a post is, is there forever. If someone screenshot a post that you've done that you decide then to take down, that's never going away, you know, and that's, that's sort of a new reality that we have. And, you know, studies have shown, speaking of Silicon Valley, that every refresh of your screen to update these likes, that's a dopamine release. That's the neurotransmitter that I was talking about when you take cocaine. So those, those likes, the more you get, you, the more you want the high, you know, and that's really smartly, cleverly planned by those those guys in Silicon Valley, you know, it's a love heart, it's a like, it's a thumbs up, and 
you know, we're, we're seeking that approval constantly. And, and it, it sort of, it comes back to perfectionism. I talk about perfectionism a lot in the book. And there's a chapter on that page one one four. If oh. people want to know from the switch, <laughs> I know every page number for the, from this book. One one four is that. You. That's incredible. That makes me feel so happy. Um, I talk, as you will know, about the multidimensional perfectionism scale, and uh, it, it was it was created by these these two men. Um, and uh, it, there are three types of perfectionism, and this is so important: the self-oriented perfectionist. There's other-oriented perfectionists, and then they're socially prescribed. And in a nutshell, self-oriented is, you know, when we we expect the most of ourselves and we want to be perfect, you know, we set extremely high standards and goals for ourselves. That might be in a relationship or it could be in a, in a, in a workplace. You know, if we leave that to competitors, then that, you know, we really are self-critical, highly self-critical. You know, I was definitely one of those people I would always set really high goals for myself in my career and then never sort of celebrate it every time it happened and it would just move on to the next goal then other oriented these are these are people that think that the people around them should be perfect and and then hold everybody else to those basically unrealistic high standards so you know let's say you get into an uber and he gets lost and he doesn't get you there on time and then you go to your friends and we've all said it oh, he had one job, one job to do. You know, how often do we say that? Well, actually, was it really one job? I mean, the guy could have had a plethora of things going on in his life. He could have had someone very sick. Someone might have died. He might have had a divorce or she or whatever. So I think, you know, those expectations of other people, it's really destructive in social circumstances and in particular in, in a career circumstance. And can um, I just interrupt you on that like, really quickly yeah, is to say yeah. that, you said that on Kate Thornton's White Wine Question Time podcast with Gabby Roslin, what, last November, last December? I still remember oh, yeah. that analogy f- from then. And when I've been in Ubers recently because of COVID, and I've been in there and I've gone, do you know what? They are taking really long. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm leaving work. Why is this yeah. forever? They are going a different way to I want them to go. And mm-hmm. I have always thought, do you remember when Amanda said that on White Wine Question Time? That's how it still is. It's all about ser- and you spoke about serendipity, and you spoke about you know all these things. And I'm like, I still remember everything you said on oh, that podcast that's, uh, t- uh, nearly a year ago, actually, that. nearly a wow. year ago. That's but- incredible. I mean, yeah, and that's you know that that to hear that just made it's all worthwhile for me. That makes it you know it because I did a lot of that work on myself. I had to, and it took time. I just you know that doing that homework, and then one day, sort of everything just fell into place. Um, and talking about perfectionists, the final one, and that's why I bring it up, because actually it's very much tied to social media, because we're talking about social media. And that's people that believe that others expect them to be perfect. You know, <laughs> 10 years ago, that would have been your, your parents or a child. Today, it's social media. You know, we're, we're setting impossibly high standards. We want that love. We want that approval. And then when we don't get that, we feel rejected, we feel scrutinized, you know, and this really hits your self-esteem. And actually, it's this that has been this kind of perfectionism that has been very, very heavily linked to depression, uh, often to suicide, uh, anxiety. So it's really, really important that we keep an eye on that. And there's a big, big big line between what we're doing and i hate to say it because we both work in it what the media are doing i'm watching at the moment emily uh emily in paris on netflix 
brilliant, mm. brilliant, cute little drama about a girl. Good, uh, I watched that. It's really, honestly, really, really good. And um, this girl goes to Paris from America and has this new life. And she's on Instagram and she's showing, you know, on one scene, her and her boyfriend have broken up in the first episode, but she's going on Instagram and saying, oh, look, I'm in Paris. And then the next, and it's all about how many followers she's got. And she's gone from 2,000 to 20,000 followers. And I was talking to a friend about this. And I said, it's a really cute drama. And it's like you're almost watching what perfectionism, because we're always chasing those followers. The number means yeah. everything. And on Facebook, yeah. we don't care how many you know friends we've got. And I've always gone through culls of deleting people because I don't recognize their names. Mm. Whereas on Instagram, <laughs> you judge everything on your number. And in the game that we're in, when we are in the media, especially, you are judged on your numbers. Have you got a blue tick? Are you verified? And what bringing this all together already is that verification of what the ideal perfectionism is, is to, you know, are you going to get your next job in TV and radio? It's all based on your numbers. And I do that where I'll go, right, I want this guest because they are an Instagram sensation. Mm. So therefore, mm. I might not have heard of them, but they've got 200,000 followers or 2 million followers. Great. They must be big enough to warrant airtime which is a really bad way to do it but that's what we're being told absolutely and it's and it's really dangerous and the only thing that you can do is affect it in your own bubble and your own world because look i have been on uh, the, the, the brunt of this i've not had enough followers for a brand i've not had enough interaction from followers for for another brand you know i don't get a tv show because i'm not in you know in in a newspaper enough or i'm not sort of like crazy and wild enough i don't make the headlines i've had a lot of that over the years i've 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 it's uh, you know a couple of one particular reality show that was between me and another celebrity and, and i was told that i didn't get it because i didn't make the headlines in, in the day <laughs> so you know at some point, you have to put that aside and say, this is one large game that means absolutely nothing. And genuinely, a few years ago, um, you know, maybe five, six years before I started doing a lot of work on myself, I would have woken up in the morning and felt a heavy, heavy weight on my chest. Will the phone ring today? Is someone going to call me? Is this going to happen? Is that? And now I feel so unbeholden to the people who make the decisions because I make my own decisions now. You know, if I don't get hired for a brand, so what? You know, if they don't want me, it's not because I'm a bad person. It's because they don't think that I work for their brand because I don't have enough followers. Well, tough to these people. That's not going to make me feel any less worthy of myself. Unfortunately, if I'd not done the work on myself, I probably would have taken it to heart. I would have felt like a failure. I would have felt like, you know, I wasn't worthy. And I did for the longest, longest time. And look, I think what's really important is we have to, we have to, I actually remember reading um, Sapiens, History of Mankind. And one of the really resounding things that came out of that for me was that everything is made up. And I remember reading that thinking, what does he mean by that? And he said, you know, TV presenting is made up. Legal system is made up. Marriage is made up. Like, everything is made up. I said, how can you say that? The more you think about it, the more you realize that at one point in our very, 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 very distant history, we were just, we were just humans just roaming around the plains, right, if you believe in evolution. And 
every so often we would create another thing, you know, as we created the agriculture system, as we created houses, as we created gardens, as we created marriage, as we created all of these things, the legal system, you know, the Roman system of all of the legal laws, we know it today. It's all made up. So I think it's really, sometimes it's really nice to come back to that, that, that notion that it's all, it's all play, it's all dress up anyway. So why should I in this big massive universe let this stuff bother me? And when you come down to the minutiae like that and you, and you pull yourself out and you, my screensaver on my phone is, the, is a beautiful picture of the universe. Because anytime I look at my phone, I want to be reminded that I'm just a dot in this huge, massive, massive place. And like literally, not even a dot. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, a dust of an, off a dot. And I think we have to remember that. We have to remember that we've just got to embrace what we've got, embrace the people around us, embrace the beauty of, you know, the bubble that we live in and, 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 and just... Just enjoy ourselves because if we worry what other people think, if we worry about the, the likes and the ticks and the blue ticks and all the rest of it and the comments, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a very dangerous road, very, very dangerous indeed. Well, through your book, you pepper it through with beautiful pictures of yourself and inspirational quotes, including, instead of exercising because you think it will make you look good, exercise because it will make you feel good and i think that sentiment to your dot in the universe is everything everything is about you are an individual do what makes you happy i don't exercise by going to the gym i go on four hours walking a day and people say oh how can you walk for that long well four hours walking by the time i've done all my phone calls and listen to some live radio listen to podcasts incredible it, it does so much for me and if i don't go for a walk first thing when i wake up i'm in the worst mood if i have to wait an hour so I when it rains that. i'm out in the rain i don't care i'm going out in the rain i will be drenched but i know i've got a walk in i know that i will get my eighteen thousand steps and that's what makes me happy i so- love that you've now just inspired me because i love the idea of going for a walk first thing in the morning i don't do that i have my other little ritual on my routine which i love and i always love to hear about other people's you know routines and, and that's really inspirational for me because i love being out in, in in nature my husband and i we walk every single evening we do a big 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 long walk um, for about an hour and a half or two hours and that's when we sort of get together and we talk and we sort of digest the day and we pick if any of us if either of us have got sort of stuff we need to discuss and and, and dissect that's when we'll do it um and yeah absolutely you know you just i used to be uh, i over over exercised obviously i talk a lot about under eating over exercising in the book and now i genuinely train when i think oh I quite fancy a little workout now. I quite fancy, you know, what should I do today? And like, leave it as a surprise for yourself. Wake up in the morning and don't plan it. Just go, hey, I've got 20 minutes. I can just, you know, get on this mat, do some stretching, or I can do some crunches or whatever you feel like doing. And I think what ends up happening is your body starts to respect you and you start to respect it because you're allowing your brain and your body to connect and to talk to each other and go, what do you fancy doing? Yeah, I fancy this. Brilliant. Now, also, on the flip side, you'll know if you don't train for, for, I don't know, six months, you'll probably feel a bit sluggish. And then you'll go, ah, okay, I know it for my health. I probably should do something active. Um, and, and then you start to understand what is important for your health, for your mind, for, for your mindset and your health and well-being. And they're all really important things. You know, you can't have one without the other. They all fit into place. And finally, Amanda Byram. And finally. 
you've done the switch, you've got those seeds of knowledge, and you're ready to grow. I want to know if you could add another chapter to your book now, what would you call it? another chapter to my book interestingly I do really love to live in the now and I've been very very guilty in the past of not allowing myself to celebrate my successes because uh, like I said earlier I would just jump from one goal succeed in that goal and then jump to the next one and so for me right now that 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 last chapter would probably say enjoy this moment rather than let's jump forward and let's plan the next thing. So I would say enjoy the moment, enjoy the now, because this is all we've got. Amanda Byram there. Her book, The Switch, is out to buy now. It is an incredible book. I urge you to get it. It's the perfect self-help book for this time of year. We've been in COVID for eight months now. A lot of us are working from home. A lot of us are feeling a bit rejected, a bit isolated. But we've adapted our careers. We've adapted our personalities. We've adapted our friendships. We've adapted our routines. You need a book like The Switch to really cement it and really to understand who you are and what you want to be. Because... Before that, it was going into work and you were judged on your fashion sense. You were judged on the way you look. Now you could go a whole day without looking in a mirror. You need a book like The Switch to really give you those tips, those recipes to eat, those advice to have, to really understand who you are and where you want to be. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening to Security and Security. Please do like the podcast, rate the podcast, and leave a little comment on iTunes. It really means a lot to me, and it really helps push the word out that it's okay to not be okay. And then go on Instagram. I'm at Johnny Seifert if you want to get in contact with me, but also we've got the Instagram page, Secure the Insecure Podcast. Please do give it a look give it a follow and say hi. I really want you to be part of the Secure the Insecure family. It means so much to me when I get your comments to say I've changed something away about the way you've looked at something. It really means a lot to me to tell me you've even listened. Because yes, as Amanda said, we're not good at taking compliments. But when you say it, honestly, it means the world to me. It really does. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 